0: Hang on! Hang on! to this my pa podcast before we get to the episode we have a voicemail from our dear friend jonathan leonard
1: hey greg this is uh jonathan calling um this might be uh a record for the uh biggest gap of somebody reacting to an episode to actually calling in of all time but that's because I'm woefully, woefully, woefully behind, and I, I do apologize. I, I do expect better of myself. Um, but I'm listening to the, uh, icky episode that came out all the way back in March, and just wanted to do a quick correction in case, uh, nobody ever brought it up, but you were talking about how there was melodica in Lincoln in Shoe One With Teeth, and, uh, I believe what you were trying to go for is, uh, snowball as hell because it's the melodica that plays the first two notes of that intro right before the song kicks in, but just those first two, and that's it. Um, but if somebody already brought this up, then disregard this message. Anyways, uh, see you, Greg. Bye.
0: Thanks for calling in, Jonathan. Yeah, I I don't know. It's odd for these songs that I've known for thirty years. I, for some reason, always get, (laughs) will swap titles for Snowball in Hell and Shoehorn with Teeth. Even though they're both so clearly different songs and they say they sing the name of the song very prominently in the song. I don't know why I switched them. Uh, But yeah, so that was just a goof. I don't know why two Lincoln songs always mess up in my head. Thanks for calling in. Anyone can call in at 224-801-2930. And uh, thanks, Averin. Sorry, it's too late for you to drop your foghorn in, but you only got one more episode left to edit. So thank you so much. Everyone should check out Waves Breaking, uh, Averin Keating's podcast. Uh, And time for the show. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time, They Might Be Giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here with a special guest, co-author of the Flood 33 and 3rd book. It's Elizabeth Sandifer, and we are going to talk about a song that is not on Flood, Become a Robot, a famous B-side... I don't know. Usually I say what album it's from, and this one's kind of like, you know. It's a weird one from the demo, I guess. Okay, here yeah. we go.
2: There's <laughs> something you, oh, you don't become oh a Clang, 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 whoops, too late. There's something you don't become a robot clang, 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 whoops to A Let's stick together cause we're number 8 Let's stick to numbers cause we're great Here's something you don't become a robot Clang, 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 clang whoops to it
3: How's it going? It's going pretty well. How are things with you? Uh, good. I,
0: I guess I'm realizing, first of all, I'm blanking on where you are located.
3: I am in Ithaca, New York, about uh, a mile oh. and a half up the road from my co-author.
0: I mean, are you also at the, is it Ithaca? Ithaca? No, I'm, I'm strictly freelance. Okay, cool. That was really awesome talking to S. Alexander Reed as he is on the uh, book cover. Yes, Alex, uh, just super super interesting guy uh, just like yeah. knows was about everything music and i and i'm sure you're you're the same way whereas like you've written a book about they might be giants in a specific album people assume like they probably assume that you only listen to they might be giants or only know about they might be giants
3: is deeply that, untrue i i Right, I actually, cannot <laughs> remember the last time I did listen to the Nightmare Giants. Oh my, my god! I mean, I love them. I, I'm I, I hanging up now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I have tickets for in Manifiga in September uh, for a flood awesome. show. I, I, I still love them, but. Yeah, it it, <laughs> it was kind of a nostalgia piece when I did the book with Alex. it uh, okay. still is for me. So cool. So well, so you're a freelance
0: writer. We'll do we'll do full plugs at the end, but you want to just tell people a little bit about, I guess, your writing career, music journalism, yeah. whatever else you do before we get into TMBG. I'm s-
3: Patreon supported, so I have the kind of wonderful luxury of doing whatever I want. Nice. Uh, which I take full advantage of. Um, at various times, I've written a history of the late 20th, early 21st century entirely through the lens of Doctor Who, going through every Doctor Who story from oh, 1963 wow. to present.
0: I'm going to have some listeners who will be very interested in that. You know, I wouldn't say it's not my jam. I just haven't. It's one of those things I don't know where to start. It would be like if I got into They Might Be Giants today.
3: There is an awful lot of <laughs> I'd be like make me a Doctor Who mixtape. I don't know where to begin. <laughs> but yeah, I've also written about British comic books. I've written about the alt right and how they're going to destroy the world. I've written
0: Oh, no.
3: comic books myself <laughs> most recently. Cool. Um I'm working on a novel. I'm really all over all over the map and I love that.
0: With the comics, are you do you illustrate them too or you're just the writer?
3: My husband is the artist on my main project though I just wrote a script for another artist that I'll be sending out in the next day or two. That sounds super fun. That one's about 1960s music in the end of the world. I really like the end oh, of the world. Oh.
0: Oh god, me too. My my wife is huge into apocalyptic post-apocalyptic stuff. Yeah, you know? no. I I love that stuff. It's kind of like I'm one of those people that is like, why can't the walking dead still be like it was in its first two or three seasons? Yeah. You know, that, that kind like that started out so promising.
3: The comic is about a forgotten 1960s single that takes over everyone's mind and ends the world.
0: That sounds amazing.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Cool. So you're working in, you're working some music stuff into this uh, fictional. Yeah, I go star. all over the map. Music is part of what I do, but it's only a portion.
0: That super cool. That sounds like a really fun way to make a living and patreon is such a great invention i have lovely patreon supporters as well it is not nearly enough for me to live on but it's plenty for me to like buy a new microphone make new merch like it just kind of all just goes back into the podcast my wife's a breadwinner now she's a professor she's a spanish lit professor at purdue so it was super cool to hear about uh alex's whole journey through academia uh going into the music you know and and criticism i mean that's I mean, he's writing literature. Music journalism is literature. <laughs> he he wears two hats to a fascinating degree. But so, like, I don't need the Patreon money. Like, that would be super cool if I could just podcast for a living. But I like music in so many different capacities. I don't know if yeah. I'd want to do just that. But I'm making new magnets and stickers and stuff pretty soon for my lovely Patreon people. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just a super cool resource and platform that... I wish it had come along sooner.
3: Yeah, no, it it really is. I really appreciate the uh, freedom it gives me. I make just about a living wage off of it. It does help to have one of my partners be in tech and another be uh, management at the local hospital. I'm definitely the lower breadwinner in the family, but... I'm, I earn my key.
0: (laughs) This is, yeah, I know. I mean, like, you know, with, with, with partnerships and relationships, you know, you got to support each other. And I mean, hell, you know, my wife went to college for, you know, what, 15 years or whatever the heck, you know, we met in undergrad, but like we were on my public teacher salary and her, you know, graduate, you know, her master's teaching the undergrads, you know, that salary, we were really scraping by for a long time so i don't feel bad about buying a new guitar in spain uh, (laughs) with with her money i don't know if she's listening to me up there but yeah okay so let's talk about your tmbg fandom story and i it this this isn't crucial but i'm 40 almost 41 if you don't mind telling people how old you are because i can play into
3: 39 almost 40
0: all righty cool so how'd you
3: get into them I was at, I think I talked about this, we talked about this at the beginning of the uh, flood book to an extent. Uh, mm-hmm. I was at a uh, summer camp program that was a gifted and talented program, CTY, the Center for Talented Youth, which is Desperately overnamed. Uh, The more the older I get, and the more I think about, you know, the Center for Talented Youth as a name. Uh, But yeah, it it, it was nerdy. It was three weeks. It it was I'm going to spend my summer uh, being cool, which is to say, going to a tiny liberal arts college in uh, rural Pennsylvania for three weeks and taking a condensed uh, college level course with a bunch of other nerds. Where did you grow up? I was in Connecticut. Okay. I did um, two summers at Saratoga Springs. At my God, it's right up the road, and I'm forgetting the name of the school there because I am an idiot. Uh, and then two more in. Keep talking. I'll see if I can help you. <laughs> yes. You Google that, so that I can look smarter in a minute. I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and then two years subsequently in Car- Carlisle, Pennsylvania, at Dickinson College. That one I do remember. And every, Skidmore Union. Skidmore, that's the one. Skidmore. Yep, Skidmore for two years, and then Dickinson for two years. Um, And every week, uh, they would have a dance. So it was like this uh, condensed schedule of school dances of all nerds.
0: That sounds incredible.
3: <laughs> Where no one's a nerd because you're all nerds, and because it was a bunch of adolescent nerds from roughly the ages of twelve to sixteen. The dances included such music as "Birdhouse in Your Soul" and "Istanbul," "Particle Man." Yeah, and, and Pete, there were fans there. "Particle Man" got played yeah. for me real early. Uh, it was yeah. all pretty much all off the flo- off flood that first uh, summer. But I found out about the band and went and <laughs> dutifully bought "Flood." Then, in rapid succession, got "Apollo 18," "John Henry." Uh, the Pink Album, Miscellaneous T, Lincoln, all of those. Lincoln, I, ha- I remember I had on cassette tape. It was one of the things I listened to most in my first car. Nice. And cassettes,
0: yeah. baby. The kids don't understand we had cassettes because that's what was affordable at the time. I mean, and I was driving a car.
3: Like, mid-80s, falling-apart Chevy S10 pickup. It wasn't the cassette was affordable. It was that cassette was the only thing in that car.
0: <laughs> oh, I mean, like we're talking like you go to the store and you're like, oh, the CD is 1899. The cassette's eleven ninety nine. I'll get the cassette.
3: Yeah. I remember Factory Showroom coming out. That was my fandom started in right between John Henry and Factory Showroom. And right. I saw them first time in Poughkeepsie, New York on the uh severe tire damage tour before that before the mm. album came out. Mm-hmm so uh, Dr. My,
0: Worm being premiered that yes store.
3: yes yeah. uh, Dr. Worm played and it was like I don't know what Woo. this is it's kind of good but I yeah. haven't heard it before and you know it's loud and everyone's drunk and it doesn't really stand out as, as good as it is <laughs> my mother took me to that concert because I was uh, way too young and uh, the opening acts were uh, Lincoln the band uh, yeah. which I remember being pretty good I the cattle
2: like a trucker
3: a group called the bog men whose sound mixing was i mean in the way that opening acts often have get completely shafted on the sound mix uh they very much were but to this day my mother will complain about how awful the bog men sounded i got my
1: own life now i've got my own home i'm a working woman yeah my I can't
0: talk I gotta go. <laughs> I'm looking them up right now.
3: Um, wow, they're, they're probably just, they're a perfectly from nice Island. band who can play perfectly well if they're not screwed over by their sound mixing. But they did, in fact, sound absolutely terrible in context. So, yeah, that's me getting into They Might Be Giants. Yeah. And then I've seen them live a couple of times since then. I saw them in college in Cleveland. Uh, Alex and I met in college at the College of Worcester. Saw the ones, yeah, in Cleveland, which was a okay show. The Metal Giants, in my experience, are have uh, some of the highest variability in their live shows. Like, really? Oh, that's my feeling. Okay. That's my feeling. Like, you can catch them on an absolutely on fire day, or you can catch them on a that was fine, but you sure have played all of these songs two hundred times each.
0: I guess and, it also might depend on what era you saw them, and well, whether they had a backing band or who yeah. the band was. Because first time you saw him would have been with Tony Memonev, Para Ubu, Fame, and or no, yeah. no. If it was if it was that era, it would have been maybe Graham, maybe or
3: I can't say I remember who they uh, read off as their backing band,
0: but definitely would have been Brian Doherty on drums and maybe Eric Shermerhorn on lead guitar. But yeah, it wasn't the Dan Dan, it wasn't the the three Dan's, it wasn't the band of Dan's yet,
3: right? And then college would have been uh, somewhere around like mink car the spine somewhere in there mm-hmm. yeah i saw them the first
0: time i saw them was on the mink car tour in iowa city
3: and then i saw them let's say once in florida once in ithaca so i think i've seen them four times total the fifth coming
0: okay yeah i'm looking to see do you remember the venue i'm scrolling 2001 right now for cleveland oh. uh, the odeon concert club
3: that that's right? probably
1: it yeah may
3: 4th yeah there you go Sounds right. And then I would have seen them do a flood show in probably Jacksonville, somewhere in the vicinity of 09.
0: They played Cleveland Odeon Concert Club twice in 2001. Maybe you saw them the time in
3: October and they're like, weren't we just here? <laughs> I, if you have pet lists, I remember them playing because I was like, well, that's a weird okay. place live.
0: Well, let's see. Okay, so this other one was uh, October 21st. Let's see, is Fingertips on here? It was in the Encore after Minkar, uh, the title track Minkar, sounds, then Fingertips.
3: That sounds like the show.
0: Encore 2, Robot Parade, adult version, the metal one, and then Istanbul to finish. <laughs>
3: I'm, I'm glad you close with Istanbul after throwing a metal version of Robot Parade and <laughs> fingertips at your uh, at your audience. And Mink Car, which, like, it's a perfectly good song, but you're definitely pulling from past the part of your uh, career where you made most of your fans. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, okay, that, hold that's, on, but... that's a noble set. That's a noble album. <laughs>
0: But in the May show, they played Fingertips as the third song.
3: No, nah, it was later than the third song. It was okay, the So it
0: must show. have been October 21st. Yeah, that's got to be weird. So were you saying, was that the show where you like you felt it was a little lacking? that one?
3: Yeah, I mean, it might have also been the very drunk guy in front of me. I, I, I remember him as well as the concert.
0: That never helps. Like, you go to a show and some stage diver falls on your head that's going to kind of sour oh. your night.
3: Yeah, and then Jacksonville would have been somewhere 2009-ish. Might have been 10. That was a Flood show, and I remember they played Flood Backward, which was a good one. Yeah, they they never like to go in the... Uh, you know, I, as good an album as it is, I can see how 32 years on, you'd want to change it up a little. Yeah,
0: and play Stilloob instead of Sapphire Bots. <laughs> have you heard Stilub? No. They play... <laughs> So they're gonna they're they're gonna play it at the show you see him at finally. They got to play it at those like six or whatever shows before COVID happened. They are playing Sapphire Bullets backwards. So ne- neither of the Johns are playing anything. They're focused on harmonizing the entire song in backwards English. And the band like it's the song's so arpeggiated that it actually sounds pretty normal in the music. But they're <laughs> all like, so instead of instead of bullets, it's still instead of bullets, right? Still. FRANCOصل uh-huh.
3: they're fake backwards singing from uh, Hideaway Folk Family and made <laughs> and actually made it into real backwards singing.
0: And made it real. And that was, coincidentally, that's the song that Alex did for his episode of the podcast. Right. Hideaway Folk Family.
3: And uh, a classic. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, I saw him in Ithaca a couple of years ago.
0: So it looks like Jacksonville was uh, 2010. Freebird Live featuring full performance
3: of Flood. Yep. And then whatever their most recent Ithaca show was.
0: Uh-huh. Sammy intro. What's the Sammy intro? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. I don't remember this. It was okay. It was a treated version of Sammy Davis's junior walk on music. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, the intros these are always.
3: And that's anyway. my, uh, they might be giant history. And then, Somewhere between that Jacksonville show and that Ithaca show, I wrote a book.
0: Yeah, you know, a little known series called 33 and Thirty Three and Third. Well, I don't know. The normies don't know about 33 and Thirty Three and Third, but all of us music loving nerds know about them. I love them. I'm bringing two of them to Spain with me. They're just such a nice size for travel. You know? They
3: are. They're they're real nice for that.
0: So, any stories about writing it? Because the Alex episode, I believe, was two years ago. No, maybe just last year, but it's been a full year. Every year is like five
3: years long, these guys. Oh
0: God, when when you get to this age and you throw COVID on top of it, and also, I mean, both my daughters, their like whole life has been COVID pretty much. So it's just a total blur of parenting COVID and just old oldness. But like people probably want they let them hear some of the stories about writing it i mean i i remember alex saying just like how they were the nicest guys and you spent all this time i believe in a diner talking to them about it a
3: steakhouse it was it, it was a, a steakhouse uh, I, I forget the name of the steakhouse but it had long wooden pipes on the ceiling as like decoration what time was this in oh let me that must have been around 2011-2012. Uh, no, must have been at least 2012.
0: What city? Was it NYC
3: or did they... Yeah, that was in New York City. Okay. I was in uh, Newtown, Connecticut at the time, which uh, if you do the math, yes, I was there for that. Mm. And Alex was teaching at NYU for a year. Uh, Alex and I have lived in the same city three times. We went to college together. Yeah. Then I was going to grad school at the University of Florida and he happened to get a job at the University of Florida for a few years. Uh-huh. So so we were back in the same city again. And then then I lived in Connecticut and he lived in New York City for a year, but he settled down in Ithaca. I went and visited him there and fell in love with the town. I was like, I'm going to be weird. Move to the city you live in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the book, what year did the book come out? Oh, probably 13 or so, maybe 14. Long enough ago that I don't remember. How's that?
0: Curious. I'm curious about talking about if if you're up for it. Just the what it was like. Did they repress the book
3: under your name? Quickly, uh, I know or was they it... not. You know, officially re released it under the name under my new name. It that's the name that shows up on Amazon and places. Yes. Um. I haven't seen a print copy of it without my dead name on it, but i assume they exist i don't know alex in one of the absolute greatest moments of trans allyship uh, i have uh, ever seen handled uh-huh. all of that for me he took the initiative of getting in touch with bloomsbury telling oh. them that i had changed my name and getting them to update it for me uh so i solid dude. Had, yeah no it, it, uh, it was absolutely a class act on his part i yeah tremendously appreciate I mean Alex is great Alex is my best friend in the world I've collaborated with him on oh. a ton of stuff beyond the book but yeah. he really yeah. had my back on that and I appreciate that
0: yeah that's amazing yeah I definitely have one of the earlier pressings then but yeah I
3: mean I, I, I still have contributor copies with my dead name on it I which you know I had something like ten books out when I transitioned, so I take a perverse love of just sharpieing out my name on people's yeah. books. Get on with it. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you can't be too <laughs> precious about it, it. It's like with an X, where you're
0: like scratching their name, out, scratching their face out of a photograph.
3: Right? Like, do I do I like seeing the dead name? No. Am I aware that literally hundreds of physical books are out there with a dead name on it? Oh, yeah, yeah, should happen.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, my wife's published. I mean, she has a book you can get on Amazon as well. It's a heavy topic. You know, it's about racial identity and travel narratives in 19th century Mexico and and the Southwest. That's academia for you. (laughs) That's academia. But like she, I mean, she was already published when, I mean, she was going to keep her name anyway. But so like our girls have hyphenated names. So I mean, that's another thing, you know, being published and then. Someone who gets married and might change their name. That can be confusion too. There's like a whole lot of things, you know, when you're in that field, yeah, your your name or names will follow
3: you around. Oh man, no, I, so. I, I a year or so ago, I finally got around to I'm out of academia. I, I got my PhD and then mm-hmm. was stuck adjuncting and was literally making more money blogging. And at that point, it was <laughs> just really hard to go on with the academia end of it. Wow, making money blogging pre-Patreon? Yeah, no, I was selling book wow. versions of Doctor Who stuff. Wow,
0: so that Doctor Who thing's been going for Oh yeah,
3: while. the Doctor Who blog started in, uh, that would have been 2011. Damn,
0: right, yeah, so you just celebrated a decade of that last yeah, year. Yeah, I've been at it for That's a while. That's pretty cool, yeah, awesome.
3: <laughs> would you consider writing another 33 and a third? I don't think they take authors for a second try. At all. Oh, okay. I think I think that's policy. So yeah. I've never tried pitching. I briefly had a song by song Tori Amos blog and it just didn't take yeah. off. I got through little earthquakes <laughs> and no one was biting. Worth,
2: sometimes I hear my voice.
3: <laughs> They've done Boys for Pele already, so the next band I would do, Tori an uh, artist I would do, is already taken. I can't see myself doing
0: it. Yeah. So so the one that I had considered, like, I already know everything about this band, Modest Mouse, Lonesome Crowd West does not have, Modest Mouse doesn't have any 33 and a third. I don't know if you're a Modest Mouse fan, but Lonesome Crowd West is just an incredible album deserving of one of those. I mean, their band, like Moon in Antarctica, fine, I write about that one too, but... I've thought about pitching it and my wife as a writer is like, yeah, you should, you should do it. You could totally, you already know, you're already an expert and I get to meet Isaac Brock, blah, blah, blah. It hasn't happened yet. Maybe, maybe while I'm on vacation and I'm, you know, the girls are asleep, start, uh, blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. I've written for Punk News since 2002. So I've written like 500 album reviews. Like I know how to talk about music and obviously I teach music and talk about it every yeah. day.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know when thirty three and a third's next open. Yeah, I know
0: because Alex was was trying to convince me to do it too, and I mean, I definitely I would love to be you know published outside of on a website, right? I've never had any anything I've written about music be printed and published. It would be super cool. So I don't know.
3: We'll see. Yeah, no, I I, the thirty three and a third book is actually my only uh, traditionally published books. I do all the others through my. uh, Unpress, press which is nice because yeah. i keep way more of the money <laughs> i without wanting to in any way complain about a contract i knew what was and signed i sure do make five percent off of the 33 and a third book and 70 percent off patreon
0: of i mean patreon fees are very reasonable for the for the slick site and the messaging and everything else
3: yeah, there is a lot to be said for uh, having control of your own publishing.
0: Arudatorum Press. Am I saying that right? Again, we could do yeah. f- full. Uh, yeah. Okay, so I put th- I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Exactly, right? The emphasis on the wrong syllable, yeah. Exactly, right? wrong syllable. So, <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> when did you start that? Let's well, see, that, that spun off of the Doctor Who thing. The Doctor mm-hmm. Who thing is called uh, TARDIS Arudatorum. Uh, which I named, I had the Doctor Who blog idea, I was casting about for a name, and my father did a uh, history of mathematics. So I was aware of the, I think, Germanic, maybe Russian, I forget, scholarly journal of the 18th century, Acta Eruditorum, the Acts of the... No uh, scholars of the erudite and i thought you know you know where the money is naming my dr who blog in a pun off of an obscure 18th century scientific journal Tardis eruditorum it is um, and somehow my career has survived that questionable decision uh, so yeah i started that blog in 2011 and and as that blog as I was running out of Doctor Who stuff mm-hmm. um, I was thinking about what I wanted to do next I was reasoning that it would be real easy to continue a career entirely pursuing obscure Doctor Who audio yeah. plays yeah. or um, you know maybe take a real bold lateral step into Star Trek or something uh, and I went all of that would be a terrible idea and would kind of track me in one tiny niche Uh, So instead, I uh, moved the site initially to a page under my own name, and then I uh, hooked up with a couple of other writers who were kind of friends and uh, in the same general area as me. My daughter, yeah. Um, Christine's actually my daughter. Uh, Though she wrote for my site before she was my She cool. Uh, She's an adult adoption. And then, yeah, I hooked up with Jack Graham, who these days podcasts for the site and, uh, Jane Campbell, who isn't, uh, who sadly has been too busy with other things to be involved with it. Uh, and it just became a loose kind of network of affiliated That's writers cool. under the Term press banner. So it's been in some form or another for 11 years now. So getting into,
0: they might be giants with our, with our time frame in mind, become a robot. So yeah. When I asked you to be on. Yeah. Then, you know, you pick the song and I'm like, oh man, that's one of those that like it, uh, I mean, (laughs) the wiki, it's uh, the song rankings. are just so hilarious and they don't really mean much once they get past like 200 probably, but it's ranked 442 out of 910. So, you know, it's right in the middle
3: exactly So it's practically the median they might be giant song (laughs) this is exactly what you should expect
0: they might be giant it's it's such a an odd song in that it's one from the demo that didn't really make it onto an album it made it onto then the earlier years which is the first place i heard it but it didn't make it onto an lp
3: i think that's the only like release type thing it's had it's like
0: well known because of, especially then, but also some other, you know, Free When You Call From Work, some other just collections they've done. So it's it's a unique one in that it's the deepest of cuts, but pretty widely available. You know, it's on streaming, etc. Yeah. It,
3: yeah.
0: Yeah, why'd you pick punchy. it? It's
3: it, it, let's, it, let's start it, there. I think at the time I was thinking of writing a history of cyberpunk and it was their most cyberpunk song. And also like... The spreadsheet was pretty full when I signed up. You know, my first 30 choices or so weren't yeah, available. I have more guests than I know to so, do with. <laughs> no, absolutely. I get it. But I, so I was looking through a spreadsheet that was not long on like your A list or your
2: B list. Okay.
0: The new stuff, people that are huge into the new stuff. And we need to talk about the comment you made earlier as well about you can't remember the last time you listened to them. Oh. I listened to book. I remember listening to book in the class. Okay, 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 okay. So it's not like years. Okay, so sure. you've heard the newest
3: album. No, I, yeah, I listened to book on the way to Corning
2: once.
0: Because people picking songs, I've actually done six book episodes already, just because we're all excited about it. I'm kind of shelving the rest for now until they actually play some stuff live and more covers are made. Now, my friends, actually, we just put out a huge tribute on the This Might Be a Podcast Bandcamp. 31 covers of book and pamphlet songs. Because my friends, I have a covers crew, I call it where they get my recording schedule ahead of time. None of them came through with this song, but they will send me covers if something strikes their fancy. Cowards, all of them. Well, yeah. Well, they've been helping me out with books so much. Like, I worked them pretty hard because I'm like, guys, there's no covers of any of these. Like, there were a couple, but I'm like, help. And so all of the songs that I, the episodes that I did, they were supplying covers. I'm like... We have a lot of this album covered already. You want to do the rest, put it out on Bandcamp Friday and donate it to my student who's almost done with his chemotherapy and we raised $750 in 3 days. Nice. So, yeah. So there's if if you want to hear 31 covers, you know, I did a pretty fun techno version of I broke my own rule and a turn of the century pop punk emo version of drown the clown. <laughs> and collaborated with some other real it's it's pretty fun. But I I digress. So You were looking at the spreadsheet, and I guess my point was that for some people, Synopsis for Latecomers is like an A-list song.
3: You know, I like Synopsis for Latecomers. Uh, Book, I remember – yeah, it's not an album I've spent a ton of time with. I remember thinking it started strong and closed.
0: Okay. It's very strongly divided between the Johns and I think, not that there was no collaboration because based on some podcasts they've been on that I've listened to, there was some collaboration, but due to COVID, I think, and stuff, them being so separated for very much 2020 post that tour, they were touring and then they were separated and, you know, they're in the same region, but not, you know, the songs are very much, not hundred percent like this, but. Linnell was very much focused on his pop side, still the twisted pop right. that he's known for. And the Flan songs are just the weirdest stuff. Some of the weird, like If Day from Winnipeg is one of the weirdest things and most interesting things he's ever written. Yeah, as well I am concerned.
3: I remember my impression yeah. being, of the yeah. album being that uh, Flansburg was having an unusually good day and Linnell was having an unusually bad, an unusually off one. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And off day. Well, I mean, if you're a fan of stuff like Dr. Worm experimental film, like when he really's locked into this power pop thing, they would strongly disagree with you. But that's a fair opinion to have. Yes, he was very kind of one sided on yeah. this album. I would say. for but I mean, sure. I would agree on Linnell
3: that. Linnell on an off day is still an extraordinary pop writer.
0: <laughs> I know. I like like the Become A Robots of They Might Be Giants catalogue, I'd still prefer to listen to you over you know, thousands of bands, best songs. (laughs) Yeah. So let's get back to that then. So would
3: you consider this a C, a C list? I mean, in terms of like being well-known or anything like that, you know, it's an obscurity uh, to say the least. I adore it. I think it's uh, an absolutely delightful song. Um, Yes. It does. I mean, one (laughs) of the things that, and we talk about this a lot in the flood book is for all the family giants have a reputation for being kind of zany and cute (laughs) they do they have a real paranoid dark streak running through a lot of their stuff Mm -hmm. and become a robot is one of like the earliest crystallizations of just this band is silly but also fucked up
0: yeah you know what i think i'm already guessing why you picked it because it's almost dystopian in a way
3: yeah yeah i mean i because i was really interested in cyberpunk i ended up i'm not writing the history of cyberpunk i am working on a cyberpunk novel so it's still of interest to me um and yeah it has this kind of dystopian vibe this technological creep to it and yeah i mean there's just a the, the basic hook of, uh, here's hoping you don't become a robot, clang, clang, whoops, too late. It's like, that's perfect. Yeah, that, so that is a perfect couplet right there. Yeah. Clang, clang, whoops, too late. I just love the whoops. Yeah, I mean, every part of it, clang, clang, whoops, too late. And every part of that second line is, there's no way to improve it. <laughs>
0: Oh my god, I'm looking at this chord progression right now too. I if we have time, I'm definitely going to try covering this and I haven't practiced it at all. I think it'll be funny and appropriate for the song cuz it's just so What is the chord progression? It, I haven't. It, looked. Oh my. It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't
3: break out yeah, the G it's flat key too much. <laughs> right.
0: I'll probably just pa- I'll probably just power record the thing. Uh just cuz look at it. Look at it. Okay. okay. All right, I'll th- I'll think about it. I've never played it before. <laughs>
3: Play the G flat six or you don't play it
2: at all.
0: Come on, got <laughs> me some slack here. Oh my god, I'm looking at the fingering for a
3: <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I have no
3: idea how to play a G, a, a, a G flat, uh, G flat six chord. That
0: might make the cover even funnier, though. Oh, <laughs> that's, to fuck that's it up. not
3: too bad. It's just kind of a warped D minor, right
0: yeah it. i mean it looks like yeah or like a d7 and then you got an extra finger in there or like yeah, a d7 that slid up and then you've like
3: the shape that, i don't that know that could be so much the... worse
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, i haven't touched a guitar in five years so <laughs> yeah you try it you try it. No. g6 Gb6, G flat 6 g well
0: i guess you're just moving it around you know out. will I'll think about it in the next, you know, twenty minutes or whatever. So- yeah,
3: <laughs> but yeah, it, it it's got that uh, pleasant mixture of silliness and sinisterness, and um, yeah, exactly what the narrator is, uh, what like the narrator of the song is up to is is pleasantly weird. Like one one doesn't get the sense that the narrator is terribly invested in our non robotness. <laughs> Non-robot. I think he might be on the side of uh, on the side of the robots here.
0: Yeah, like whoops, whoops, too late, right? Is it like a sarcastic whoops, too yeah. late? You know, <laughs> let's stick together because we're number eight. What do you make? What do you make of that?
3: I have no idea. Why number eight? That, that's even their they most cryptic. Um, I remember, you know, we were having uh, again, thinking back to the flood book. We were hacking through a lot of relatively arcane uh obscure lyrics in that album yeah yeah and you know what i think both alex and i said alone and i stand by it is you can really make a hash of over-interpreting a be giant song oh i have you, song
0: by song podcast
3: <laughs> yeah like you, you can really go out on a limb and just end up somewhere that sounds kind of goofy and pointless or and just I a fun want- way to spend an evening Sure. <laughs> there are a lot of fun ways to spend an evening. So I wouldn't want to get too yeah, yeah, hung sure. up on specifically trying to untangle why they're number eight. I do like Hip Hip Horrific. Hip Hip Horrific is, that's A+. plus.
0: At first I was just going to say, okay, eight is an easy word to rhyme with, but so is one and two and three and all of the numbers... They're all easy to rhyme with.
3: Yeah, you don't get into hard numbers for uh, number rhyming for a while.
0: Yeah. I think I just wanted to end with great, right? Because, I mean, let's stick together. Hip, hip, horrific, right? We're great. Right. You know, eight. I don't you know.
3: It sounds like this song was written in an afternoon. and I think that's about as much time as was spent on this. But, you know, it doesn't need much more. I don't think there's a lot of ways to uh, improve. Here's hoping you don't become a robot.
4: I, I think uh, I'm it's, not yeah, sure about the yeah. second
3: verse, actually. I'm not sure the harbor a death wish, help, <laughs> help, help yourself. I think that's a little bit filler, actually. I mean, so it drifts a little bit for harbor a death wish, but it really swings back to glory and hippie horrific.
0: Is this person already a robot and the and the narrator's hoping they don't harbor a death wish?
3: Ah, Maybe, maybe. Like, we've already become a robot in verse one, and now he... Whoops, and too now, late. Yeah. I don't like that though because I really like the sinisterness of the narrator. Like I, I yeah, like the yeah. robot. The narrator's insincerity. Okay, well um, it could
0: still be. I hope you. I hope you don't harbor a death wish, but I'll secretly go kill all humans. <laughs> it's all sarcasm.
3: Or possibly, like you're becoming a robot because of your you harbor a death wish. Like there, there's a kind okay. of like um, fire of the gods vibe
0: ah, there. I think. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. or like, what was that movie, that Tom Cruise movie, the the pre-crime... Minority Report? Was that the one?
3: Minority Report, yeah.
0: Yeah, so like, well, you're a bad person, so now we're going to use your body and you're going to become a cyborg for us. Okay, we're going to... You're a criminal. (laughs) I hope you don't harbor a death wish. Oh, you do? Well... You're going to become a robot. Sorry. The government's going to use you now because we're going to turn all criminals into robots that we can program for our use. You could write a whole dystopian novel about yeah. this song.
3: <laughs> um, and I mean, I'm not sure the robots have use. You know, they, they just seem to be killing robots. I mean, <laughs> Doctor Who fan wise, the uh, Clang Clang Whoops Too Late always reminds me of like the Cybermen and converting humans into robots. You are real
2: elements But we surrender You are incompatible But this is a surrender You will be deleted But we're surrendering, listen to me, we surrender You are inferior Man will be reborn as Cyberman But you will, will perish under maximum deletion
3: So, like, it's always been, like, killer robots in my head. Yeah. I mean,
0: dude, look look at, at the wiki. on uh, So there's an image on the wiki page for Become a Robot of a flyer that I'm sure Flans drew this robot. And the robot even says, so it's an early 80s show poster with the robot in its teeth, says Robotron. Do you see what its eyebrows say?
3: Actual size. Actual
2: Which, size.
3: You know, it seems much bigger to me. Size.
0: And you've got the claw hand, but it's not with a K. Like, they could call yeah, it. Yeah, but it's
3: clearly labeled claw hand, and I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, claw
3: hand. That's a death robot. That robot in that picture is not performing any useful service. That no. robot just wants to kill. Look at
0: another interesting thing, and I love cut and paste flyers because I did them back in high school. But look at the, you can see the tape. Like, I'm just assuming Flans drew this. Oh, this comes from their Tumblr? Is it credited to him? Hmm. I'm not seeing it when I click over. But it's you could see the piece of tape, right? Like he drew this on another piece of paper, like crudely ripped it out and taped it over something else. And there's some words peeking out from the back of the robot. You see
3: that? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I, I wonder uh, what aspect of the show got covered up there. Actually, yeah. my favorite thing looking at this that I love is beer, complimentary in it.
0: Oh, you know what? Did this say did it used to say beer something provided? I wonder if he goofed it up on that half.
3: No, no, because it's divided. Are you sure that's not I don't a know, weird? O? I see it. No, I see it. You're right. It's it's it's, yeah. it's an O that looks way too much like the D's. Yeah. Yeah, that's gotta be provided. Uh <laughs> I
0: don't know. Yeah. And then the Mondo Bafa looks like it might be sticking out from by his shoulder. So I think he goofed up on that side and rather than Ooh. starting a whole new flyer, just took the robot, put it over like, the started All right, this left. side
1: of
3: the flyer gets to become a robot.
0: <laughs> Everyone needs to go look at this robot. This flyer is amazing. I just can't imagine seeing the band in this era. Oh, the, okay so it's back, back to the song in the trivia it says that uh, Flans was talking about that they used the fairlight which they mentioned yeah. a, a few times talking about early songs so uh, and, and, he, and he speaks about it like it's a some sort of whimsical machine that like the wizard of oz uses or whatever like, uh, it qu- quote used the fairlight which was then a brand new invention like a music sampler and computer Phil Collins, Peter Gabriel, every Brit art rocker guy had a Fairlight in the eighties. Do you know much about Fairlight synthesizers? Not a thing. Okay. Sorry, sorry so,
3: to completely let
0: you down on that. one. Oh no, no, no. I'm lo- I'm looking at them right now. So, and I had looked up a little bit on past episodes too, but it has been a while since I've talked about them. Uh, so they were they were first developed in uh, the late seventies, so uh, '79, in uh, Sydney, Australia, uh, the Quasar M8. Was developed by Tony First of Creative Strategies in uh, Sydney, and their Creative Strategies is credited for coining the term sampling, which is pretty cool. So it has an embedded sampler and it's a music workstation. So if you go and look for a picture of it, it does have a screen, uh, so a computer, a keyboard, a screen, a green computer monitor, as was you know the early eighties, right? Yeah, with crazy like mountain looking things on it
3: yeah okay (laughs) yeah Some quality uh visualization on that
0: yeah so this person kim ryrie i think is how you would say it in the early 70s wanted to make a synthesizer develop a, a like a diy synthesizer uh and it was called the eti 4600 for uh electronics electronics today international which was the magazine that he had that he You know, created, and so they were working on. You know, there's this new microprocessor, and they're trying to figure out how to manufacture digital synthesizers because everything was pretty much, you know, analog at that time, right? Mogs, arps, korgs, all that, because they thought the analog stuff was too like tricky or whatever. And I love a good analog synth, but there are disadvantages to that. And you know, they used the you know the Johns famously used a lot of you know micro mugs and stuff like that too. So the Fairlight, I think, you know, would have been a big deal to them because it is like this new technology. I mean, by the time they were using it, digital synths were around, but this was like a step up from it and they kept improving on it. So like series two, series three, series three was the late latter half of the 80s. So maybe that's the one they were using.
3: This must have been on a Series 2. Probably a Series
0: 2, right? We think I don't see them
3: getting in... the Series 3 the day it comes out for the 85 demo.
0: True. True. That was not yeah, that was not released until 85. So, yeah. So, good point. I mean, heck,
3: I, I can see them playing with an old Series 1 at that point. If that was still being made in 82.
0: Yeah, I do love that era of, of keyboards. And I've played the Yamaha DX7, the famous FM synthesis synth... I couldn't figure, you know, fuck all about it, because I play, like, I have an 82 Roland Juno 60, which is an analog synth with digital storage, so I can design the sounds. I've had it for forever. I've had it to get it fixed multiple times, but uh, it's. I bought it for 300 in the year 2000, and it is worth 3000 So it's a coveted synth at this point. But I've nice. never played
3: I, Fairlight. Yeah, the, the only two synthesizers I've ever had, I had a dinky Casio thing that I couldn't tell you a thing about other than that. I had it basically as a toy in the 1980s. Well, Casios are coveted uh, now, too, just for being I'm, yeah, so rinky. It would not surprise me if this thing had, like, a cult following. And then I had a uh, Sonic MR78 back when I was thinking some, You know, back when I was a lot more serious about music. And Alex actually has that one these days. Oh, nice.
0: Yeah, I have a Casio yeah. tone two so apparently Hans Zimmer was you know he's a famous uh, composer and you know
3: film score well he and his team of hundreds apparently
0: right well so Hans Zimmer hired Boz Burrell of bad Company they bought the second ever Fairlight one Peter Gabriel was the very first owner <laughs> Like they actually know the first person to buy one of these extremely expensive, I'm sure, machines, right? I mean, it's a computer. You're buying it you're buying a computer in the late seventies, so well, there's that. And it's a brand new technology for a synthes a digital synthesizer with a computer. I mean um, Herbie I, Hancock I, I and I appreciate- Stevie Wonder, twenty seven thousand uh,
3: dollars for this one that Stevie Wonder bought. I appreciate turning this monstrosity on the task of become a robot. Yeah.
0: And you know, if they who, who had one that they were using it in 1985,
3: you know, thinking about that, I can see how Become a Robot is the sort of song that emerges out of you have an afternoon on someone's really expensive synthesizer and you're just fucking around with it.
0: Yeah, the one time I got a Moog on record, it was the studios that they were borrowing from someone else. And it wasn't even a Moog, it was the real, well, it was a Moog, the Realistic Radio Shack uh, synth, it was called Realistic, that was made by Moog. So it's considered a Moog, but it doesn't say Moog on the outside, so it's the cheapest Moog. Also, we haven't talked about how that this was written to be on this Restless Records polka
3: compilation. Which has a certain perversity to it. Like, right? I, I saw that and I was like, you know, guys, I can see how you didn't <laughs> quite make the cut there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this one, I mean, how how did they think that this would be accepted? I mean, it's Restless Records yeah, who then kind of tanked Minkar later on. Um but j- why do they think this is a polka just cuz it got the dun 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 dun, dun in the bass?
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and like you have an accordion player. You have a pretty good right. accordion player. Yeah. And <laughs> this is where you're going with your with your attempt at a polka. But, <laughs> Early, see, my vagina has that perversity uh, to them that I love and admire. Like, see, my vagina <laughs> uh especially early on, are a band that like came up with every way they could to sabotage themselves, did it, and then got on with it from there. And I respect <laughs> this approach.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I already did the. I hope that I get old before I die episode last year. So in a '96 interview with with uh, Ice Magazine, ICE Magazine, I think quote from flance restless was doing a polka album and they were interested in rock bands that did polka songs before we were signed we tried to convince them to use this song as well as become a robot they had no interest in it so we put it on our first album i hope that i get old before i die so this one they kicked it out got rejected just went on the demo it was on the demo tape and nothing else until it got collected with later stuff right i mean the demo is what's on i mean that's the song i guess there is no demo that's the song yeah. Right. But it's demo quality and they submit this and it's so fucking bizarre. I mean, I guess maybe they figured that there would be a bunch of rock bands that are like, hey, we brought in our accordion friend to play and it's going to be a polka, like traditional rock polka. I don't know. Like, we're going to do like a Pogues thing. I don't know. And they're like, we got to do something else.
3: I mean, and if you're doing a rock, if you're doing a rock polka in 85, you're also standing squarely in the uh, shadow of Weird Al. So that might have been where they were thinking is we need to go zany. You know, zany is what the polka kids want in 1985.
0: (laughs) And we're known for doing weird stuff. We got to go weird. And maybe they went a little too weird and got, I mean, I love, I hope that I get old before I die. The drum programming must've taken forever on that. And it it still cracks me up to this day. All the, the clang clangs, it's got clangs in it. Oh, the one other little bit of trivia that's fun is in, I don't know, maybe I noticed this back in the day, but I don't remember. The Wishnick, in yeah. The Wishnick. Here's hoping you don't harbor a Wishnick, which I had to click on to find out what that was. Did you already know what that meant?
3: I also clicked on that. <laughs> so, well, tell the people what a Wishnick is. It is uh, one of the other names for troll dolls, <laughs> the little uh, guys with the uh, expressive, uh, hair. <laughs>
2: expressive
0: hair. Expressive hair.
4: Kids got to do the grocery shopping. Ew! Yeah. When you wish on a treasure troll, who knows what might happen? Treasure trolls are the only trolls that have a jewel in their tummy that you can wish on. What would you wish for? <coughs> I wish cherry
0: cough syrup really tasted like cherries. Yeah. Also known um, as a damn doll, T-A-M. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Thomas Dam. I think Wishnick is the better lyric, actually. Like, I, you, that second yeah. verse I was complaining about earlier, if they went with Wishnick and not Death Wish, so, I'd be here for the
0: song just a little bit more. So what does harbor a Wishnick means? Like, you're hiding little I mean, it's like, troll- you've
3: got, like, little troll refugees, I think. Like, you know, <laughs> you're the the, the the robots are coming for the for the trolls, and, like, are, are, you're harboring them in, like, your attic.
0: Yeah. So instead of like harboring a feeling, you're actually harboring like these fugitives from the law, the little right. trolls. And yeah, are yeah. Going to like release the, them on the No,
3: like I, I think the song makes total sense that way. Like it, it it's quite oblique otherwise. So, but just change it from Death Wish to Wishnick, and the song makes total sense.
0: So was this Flans twelve years later being like, I should have made it Wishnick. I'm just going to put it in the liner notes. See if anyone notices. <laughs> That's I mean, not a typo. You don't type a Death Wish and get Wishnick.
3: No, I mean, it, wish... it, it on the one hand has got to be deliberate. And on the other hand, you don't necessarily look at them in the earlier years and see and go a lot of time was spent putting this together. I do like
0: the booklet, but I mean, just the lyrics, you know, there's a lot of text yeah. in that. I'm, I mean, I loved it at the time because, I mean, I I had been into them, you know, for like five years at that point, but still, it was where I really devoured that early stuff. So I spent a lot of time looking at that, but I never noticed the Wishnick. Should, uh, do you want to talk? About, is there anything more about the music for talk about this live version?
3: Uh, no, let's move on to the live version.
0: Yeah. So this live version. So on the wiki, right? And the wiki's not available. And John Ulis will tell you that, and the other people who run the wiki. Well, first of all, the song says year 1985, right? And then it was on the 1985 demo tape. First played 83. So that doesn't really make sense. Um, but it says the one known performance is uh, July 10th, 1983 at The Dive in New York City. Zero Wikians in attendance. But there is a, right, set, a set list. a set list that appears that,
3: to be, yeah, a show that appears to be entirely documented by a set list.
0: And, okay, so Bill Krause... I think he might be the reason that this set list is in here. Um, But become a robot as the closer. Now, this is 19. If if this is 19. Isn't that insane? the pogo song. The pogo song. Yeah,
3: you had an encore of the pogo song, which <laughs> it's not even clear what is, which you've got to appreciate.
0: Yeah, when you click it on the wiki, so found on lists. Bill Krause's TMB songs. Pogo song is listed as an encore, but it will possibly a cover of Walt Kelly's Songs of the Pogo. <laughs>
2: Have you ever, while pondering the ways of the morn, thought to save just a bit, just, just a drop, drop in, in the, the horn. horn? Too poor in the evening, or late afternoon, or during the night, when we're shining the moon?
3: this set list is unrelenting there are not a lot of concessions to the audience here until you get the letterbox like letterbox you yeah. finally get to in the middle and you realize they had this song in 83 how the hell did it take them that long to get it out uh such that it waited behind things like anything else on this set list. the setlist the setlist is incredible
0: yeah i mean hot cha hot jaw set for five years
3: oh yeah hot or, or, sitting or there. seven years i mean and like and there's plenty of things in here i don't even know like i could not tell you off the top of my head what cabbage town was
0: oh you you should check it out
3: i i've just clicked through and now I, and now i see that it is it, it found its way out on the ipalindrome iep
2: i, I, I talked to my uncle jack as he tried to talk to The bottle in one hand and another in the other.
3: Oh, Cabbage Town. I respect the deep cut of their catalog here. (sighs) Uh, But yeah, Yeah. there are plenty of things on here. Penguin uh, is not... That song. Have you heard that? I've not. I see that this one... Uh-huh. didn't make it out an, until podcast 43
0: yeah their podcast though, though a dial-a-song yeah. version was released on these bootlegs before that so it was before they were called They Might Be Giants that's how old right El
3: Grupo is. de Rock and Roll
0: yeah
2: he knows there's trouble ahead there's been trouble before penguin penguin no one August yeah so yeah this set this set
3: list for 83 but uh the version you sent me said 85 so you have yep. uh yep. There, there's some mystery here and i know you got in yes with people what what do we know about this strange discrepancy
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay so yes let me bring up this conversation with ulyss so okay so I said, question for the archivist and professor of all things TMBG. TMBG Unlimited July edition has become a robot live version labeled as 1985. The wiki says the only performance is July 10th, 83 uh, at the dive in New York City. It's a curious discrepancy. Any idea what's going on there? Is the wiki wrong or is the TMBG track listed wrong? Wouldn't be the first time the Johns lost track of their own history, which... You know, oftentimes they'll go to the wiki to help remind themselves of stuff. This is this is an unknown thing that Flance has done. So then John said, both 1983 and 85 are educated guesses by fans. The only song TMBG claimed was from 1985 in that month for un- the unlimited July was Big Big Hortum. And so I said, 85 isn't concerned by the band because my file is listed as parentheses live 1985 he said a fan must have added it to the file by the time that i got it because i didn't get it i didn't get tmbg unlimited from e-music around the turn of the century when they were doing it right a little like club thing i got it much later someone had added parentheses live 1985 to it not the johns so right
3: so 83 could be correct if there's a which means in theory that there is a recording of this entire uh, bizarre oh. 83 concert and plenty we, we someday might learn what Pogo song was.
0: Yeah, you know I, people whoever's out there send your tapes to Peter Critch. he will digitize them and get them to sound as good as possible.
3: I've just pulled up the TMBG Unlimited July and the wiki says become a robot live 1985 so it must have been claiming 85 on the
0: album well it is a wiki so a, a fan went in and put that in right? true enough so
3: but th- there's at least some reason why people genuinely think this is 85 yeah
0: is is bill krauss wrong about the date of this thing with the set list or is the set list complete i mean is it i don't know it, it, who do you trust who do you trust we need to get to the bottom of this. It
3: appears to have been from Flensburg's archive of cassette board tapes, although I can't recall which one. That's what I'm getting on the uh, TMBG Unlimited July page.
0: The exact date slash year of the set list has not yet been confirmed, meaning that it could be from another show that has been left undocumented. So, yeah, so, I mean, really, it should say that the date The date should have a question mark by it, right? I mean...
3: Seems, seems like
2: it.
0: Yeah, because there'll be stuff on the wiki where it'll say year question mark, or it'll have a year and then a question mark, because a lot of the stuff on those power dial song bootlegs, they don't know what year it exactly hit the answering machine, and you'll you'll come across it and be like, we don't know what year the song is from, we could guess, but we don't know, so here, I mean, they don't know that it was first played July 10th of 1983, that's just a guess. Yeah. So we know the song existed in 85 because it was on the demo tape. We don't know that it existed two years earlier. So I don't know. I mean, it definitely could have been played in 85. It might have been played in 83, but we don't know. Mysteries abound. Mysteries. So with that said, I will drop it in right here.
2: Mr. Johnson. Here's hoping you don't, hoping don't, you don't harbor a death wish. Death help, 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 help yourself. yourself. Here's hoping you, hoping you don't harbor a death wish. wish. Help, 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 help yourself. Hip, hip, horrific are the words we sing. Hip, hip, horrific is our fame <laughs> Here's hoping you don't hoping you you become don't a don't robot.
3: What did you think about that? Uh, I, I mean, it was delightful to hear that that bizarre thing live.
0: Yeah. I love it with the accordion in there.
3: Yeah. And, and Flans clearly loves it with the accordion, too, because he, he has that spontaneous shout-out to, uh, yeah. you know, John Linnell.
0: Yeah, I know. like Kind of like half-off mic. That's a pretty cool little little thing. I love that kind of stuff. I love their banter, and I love just, like— just, like, a captured bit of, like, spontaneity, like you said, just, like, shouting something out, and, you know, it's just something you could tell they're having fun with it. And, yeah, the backing track does a lot of the heavy lifting on this one, almost entirely, because if Linell, The song's all drum machine and keyboard and vocals. There's no guitar. I mean, there's, there's electric bass, but it sounds like a synth bass on the live one, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Flans is just flailing around singing... Linnell has the accordion, so all of the drums, keyboards is all on the backing track. So it's almost you know they're singing along to their own karaoke track, you know, on this one with a little bit of accordion in there. It sounds cool like this. Like I mean, maybe it's the Fairlight on the backing track, but hell, I love it with the with the with the accordion.
3: I. It's great. I, mean, I wish we had more more live versions of it because they yeah. they must have played it a fair amount in those bizarre early days you'd
0: think but like the wiki is surprisingly accurate even in the 80s about how many times something was played so it says one known performance it doesn't just say one performance so there could be more
3: i am looking more at it i am coming around to uh 85 being an error because i do see uh i do see on the same tmbg unlimited Sally Boy Candy Bar. <laughs>
0: that's, a, that's an interesting one, too.
3: Right, which has two known performances, one of which is at the same uh, mm-hmm. 1983 show that we seem to have a document to become a robot for. So I'm by, I'm thinking those probably came from the same tape, and it's an 83 tape.
0: Yeah, both the perf- both the performances, yeah. Yeah, because the other yeah, Sally Boy fact- one, like you said, is July 7th. So it's saying that Sally yeah, was got, played July 7th and July 10th, both of 83.
3: Right, and then that 83, is there anything else? I, I've got both up here, and am just quickly checking to see if there are any other things on Unlimited yeah. that could have been from that. Yeah, I
0: mean, in 83, so this was, you know, early days of the band. I mean, I've, I've, I've mentioned, this, <laughs> I mentioned this before. So I have this magnet from, like, the turn-of-the-century era. It says installing and servicing melodies since 1983 they used to say the band uh, formed in 83 and at some point they decided to scooch it to 82 <laughs> which when they were basically not known by they might be giants but uh, fair enough but in 1983 they only played like 20
3: shows. One, two, yeah, they've got a uh, big, big hordom live that they're also saying was eighty-five, and that's another one that was in that eighty-three set. So I think that eighty-three set's getting confused for an eighty-five set because mm-hmm. I see So, three so you, think you, think, you, I think you think it's eighty-three? You think I think it's eighty-three because right. I see three songs on this. TMBG Unlimited July thing, all of which uh-huh. could have come from that same 83 show, which makes me think that 83 show was probably a source for
0: it. So I'm looking... Yeah, and I'm looking at all the shows in 83. There were 16 shows in 83. They played a lot at a place called Dr. B's. They played a lot at CBGB's. Man, I would die to have seen them at CBGB's in the 80s. Oh, my God. Pyramid Club, another famous place, and then this, the Dive. So, yeah, looking at the set lists for those, there's not a whole lot because... You know, people didn't attend them. But the 80... Oh, they don't have a set list for that. Yeah, there's very few set lists here. Um, though there is a cool archive thing from the New Yorker, October 17th, 1983, for their show at CBGB's on uh, October 18th. There, Man, there's so much cool stuff here on the wiki. But like, it,
3: yeah. 83... Uh,
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So
3: there, yeah. There, there's my there's my archival contribution and research. I think
0: yeah. TMBG yeah.
3: Unlimited for July misidentified the years of some things, or at least the wiki has it
0: on. Yeah, and picturing that, like that famous photo of them busking in front of the the on the Brooklyn Promenade. Have you seen Have you seen this this photo?
3: Oh yeah, yeah. That's a yeah.
0: Great one. So that's I mean that era of the Johns these fresh faced boys.
3: Yeah, playing
0: these fucked up songs at CBGBs and Pyramid Club and everywhere. Oh, oh my God, what would that must have been like? To the unsuspecting victim who walked in.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, and that perversity and that perversity follows robots in particular. Because I'm remembering, I forget what late night show they were doing, but something went uh, ticks up for them, and they proceeded to on a late night show unleash robot parade, followed by shoehorn with teeth. <laughs> Yep. And and you've got to love the moment of like, yeah, Conan, right. I played yeah. it on the
0: Robot Parade episode. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's great. And like, you, you've you got to love that moment where they can tell they've lost the audience, but it's okay. They're <laughs> going to get them back. They've got shoehorn teeth. It's in the song,
0: John. I think we're losing the crowd. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think we're losing the crowd. And then the GLO Kunspiel
2: thing. Yes.
0: God.
2: Sure, this new song thing is cool. But the sound on my voice is too hard to understand. People want the familiar sounds. The sounds of comfort like a glockenspiel. Close your eyes and visualize a glockenspiel.
3: the the most doomed effort to win (laughs) back a crowd ever and honestly like Tony was probably
0: laughing the whole time
3: you've got to wonder what went wrong at that 83 show like did become a robot do too well did the crowd respond to it so well that they were like this song just doesn't doesn't alienate them as much as we hoped and we will bury it and never speak of it again that that's my theory that Become a Robot was just too much of a banger. The crowd loved it too much and they buried it until they finally came up with Robot Parade, a song with which they could truly lose the audience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
0: like that. So, uh, like I mentioned, 1982, they only played one show and it's August question mark of 1982 at the central park uh san anista rally so in 83 they really got going and i must point out because i don't think this will come up on any other episodes because there's no set list i don't know when it will come up this is the first time i've ever clicked onto the first the 83 uh so january 23rd 1983 comments left by uh, Wiki contributor. The first show the band performed under the name They Might Be Giants. This is the legendary 23 show that the Johns have talked about. I've never heard them talk about that. I must have missed it. In an apparent string of coincidences, the number kept popping up. Here's what was said, and it's got bullet points.
3: The show occurred on the... this isn't a legendary 23 show. This is just someone grafting on the Discordian uh, 23 <laughs> thing onto yeah. the, someone noticing, ooh, their first uh, big show under their own name and not, you know, El Grupo de Rock and Roll was on the 23rd. Let's just graft <laughs> in a whole Discordianism joke and see if anyone notice yeah. it.
4: Burroughs, the writer of Naked Lunch and Nova Express and all these other things, he believed in this. And Robert Anton Wilson, one of the founding members of the Discordians and sort of a counterculture writer and thinker, he says Burroughs was the first person he'd ever met to believe in it. Wilson hid lots and lots and lots of 23s all through his works, his fiction, his nonfiction. So the 23 enigma is just a corollary of the Law of Fives because 2 plus 3 is 5. So actually, the 23 enigma is tied into the Law of Fives. could be a clue buried in the very fabric of our reality as to how nature and the universe works. The shortest way to go about it is think about the number 23 and then live your life, but be thinking about the number 23, and eventually you will start to see 23s everywhere. The fact of the matter is that you could probably choose any number and find the same series of patterns. This is what's known sometimes as confirmation bias or selection bias or apophenia. Apophenia is the tendency to perceive connections and meaning between unrelated things.
3: But I it's don't all, buy this. Right? Was John McSnell even <laughs> actually 23 years old at the time? I would not be surprised if that was all. Let's see. Um, okay, so
0: 1983. Let's see. He was born uh, in 19. No, no. He really was 23. I'm going to get. Was 23. My favorite right. is the first bullet point. It's the 23rd month. <laughs> the show was attended by 23
3: people. <laughs> They 23 this is some so glorious nonsense. <laughs> this, this isn't even... This is uh, just someone doing uh, discordianism on the wicket.
0: Uh, wow, but there is a quote from a Flansburg inter- 1996 interview with Pitchfork. This is like the earliest days of Pitchfork. Wow, talking about this Dr. Bees. Yeah, a friend of ours got us a gig at this crappy showcase club called Dr. Bees, which was in Soho. Oh, my God. We were so over-caffeinated. I, I imagine we just seemed like the most hyperactive people. It's, taken, it's kind of taken us a while to calm down and gain some composure, but the first show was pretty interesting. We're doing a lot of stuff I thought was kind of creepy, and I thought that people would react to the material in a creepy way. I remember being very surprised at how light everyone took everything, and we weren't presenting ourselves as sort of heavy goth people but we were fairly influenced by the residents in Ubu and a lot of post punk art rock bands that had a kind of legit thing about them even though they were kind of weird we were taken aback at how jolly the dot, 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 jolly the perception in the crowd was to our like fucked up kind of quote my arm i can't feel my arm kind of songs <laughs> the songs were far weirder than the songs we do now. There were probably a lot less to smile about than there is now. I wouldn't have been surprised if people thought we were really self-involved and maybe even self-indulgent, but I wasn't expecting people to think that it was just so much fun. So,
3: All right. No, I, I've, I've found, i found the 23 stuff by the way, yeah. uh, which, which comes from a <laughs> 2012 interview uh, where I think it's Flansburg says then there was that mysterious 23 show that was probably our first show as they might be giants it was the 23rd day of the month we were quite possibly 23 years old we played 23 songs in the set and they took two dollars and uh at the door from the 23 people who showed up and each of us were paid 23 dollars <laughs> we've told that story a few times over the years and there have been some embellishments we added some stuff to make it more insane but most of that is true so yeah that is an elaborate discordianism joke that i uh, that yeah, I were love told that in an interview that's what i'm going
0: and the interview is in insight atlanta's entertainment monthly magazine from february of 2012 they told this crazy bit of just this just like goofy story however Manufactured or yeah, not.
3: no. So, someone must have just read the Illumina, reread the Illuminatus trilogy, and just just riffed on it. Because like the twenty three yeah. coincidence is it, it, is a whole thing, but it, it's a whole thing among Discordians. Who this whole thing is? <laughs> they're, they're the original troll <laughs> religion, and I love them. So,
0: <laughs> so we've gone down a whole rabbit rabbit hole here. Now there are no covers. What I'm thinking when I'm this song has inspired me to. Like, how can you fuck up a song that's so fucked up? When I'm in Spain, I'm going to purely on my laptop create something because I've stocked up all these episodes for my friend to edit and mix for while I'm in Spain. So this won't be coming out for like two months and I'll come up with a cover. So I'll just say that for now because the song has inspired me.
2: Dump, open your know. dumb, hey, robot. Blank, blank, what's too late? Open your know. dumb, hey, robot. Blank, blank, what's too late? Mm-hmm. Let's stick together, does nothing but me? Let's stick around with Rain. It's open your dumb, 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 So it's t-
0: <laughs> it's time to score this song. So holy Jesus. So 0 to 10, you may use decimals, ranking it against like, I mean, what's a 10 for you? I'd be curious to know, what's a 10 for you that's not like, okay, a set closer, you know, obvious kind of one? Do you got a deeper cut 10, like straight off off the dome?
3: Hang on, I do, where your eyes don't go. Where your eyes don't go is immaculate.
0: Are you sure you haven't listened to the show? Because that just aired three weeks ago and I gave it a 10. All right. Well chosen. I don't I've given like maybe 10 tens over these 182 one have aired episodes. Great taste. What would you give become a robot? Uh,
3: 9.23.
0: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I think what if I give it this? I think. Mm, okay. Become a Robot. I must also mention that this is Robot Week. I'm doing Unctwist Robot with Carrie Hearn off of uh, My Murdered Remains. So Become a Robot, oh, it is so screwed up that it's wonderful. It's like everything we've talked about. It's some Someone would hear it and be like, this is the shittiest song by the shittiest
3: band I've ever heard. But to people like us... My argument is, Become a Robot is not the song to, that will make a They Might Be Giants fan out of someone, but it is the sort of song that is why They Might Be Giants fans stay They Might Be Giants
0: fans. Yeah, it's one where, like, if you're already hooked, you'd hear that and be like, So this is where all this fucked up stuff came from because it used to be this fucked up, right? So it's, it's a great song that, like, built. It's part of like the DNA of the band, like that they used to do songs like this. And they still get weird, but they don't get this weird. So it does have a very special place in the catalog. And obviously they sent things so too, because it never made an LP at the time. Then we're like, oh, it's probably too late to come on something now. Let's put it on the then compilation, you know, or whatever else. I mmm. I'm gonna go 8.5, and I think that's gonna shock people. But it is just so wonderfully fucked up, and obviously the band does think higher of it than something like Sally Boy Candy yeah. or any of those other super obscure ones, because those never made it onto anything, right? Bread Hair, have you heard Bread Hair? I have not heard Bread Hair. <laughs> so plugs, we've already talked about a lot of your stuff, but direct them to the the website. What's uh, what's the URL for the press?
3: eruditorum press which is e-r-u-d-i-t-o-r-u-m press.com uh, that's where i do my blogging uh, which these days is about british comic books uh, the other project i have is uh, my own comic book britain A prophecy which you can check out at crossroads com. okay uh the first two issues are up on a pay what you want yeah. basis right now. And if you decide you like those, you can back our Patreon and get the third issue.
0: There you go. So is the is the Patreon under under what name?
3: That one's under Patreon slash Britain a prophecy because there's people other than me that need to get paid on that project. So it I run it separately. Got it. And then you have and then you have your own. I have my own Patreon. But yeah, Britain a prophecy is the thing I'm most actively plugging up. Okay. The
0: cool well yeah help her out please you know freelance writing i can't imagine like i love writing about music i love talking about music but i've always just kind of done it for fun you know back in the day it was for free cds or getting on a guest list to review a show but yeah i guess as far as my wrap up people can find me at this might be a podcast.com if you're just stumbling upon this because you're a fan of uh you know the work of my lo- lovely guest here. or or you just love robots and you were searching apple podcast for robot content I, you know
3: whatever so uh yeah somewhere, somewhere <laughs> there's someone who just listens to all the robot content that comes out during a day and and they're just really puzzled yeah, right right and um,
0: clang clang whoops too late <laughs> who is this band but then they become their biggest fan I listen to Unctrus Robot, yeah. Robot Parade. I mean, the Johns love robots. Who who doesn't love robots? Yeah. Robots are cool. So follow me on the socials, rate and review the podcast, uh, subscribe, blah, 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 blah. Uh, mash that like, you know, all the stuff you're supposed to say. So thanks for being on the show. Did you enjoy yourself?
3: Yeah, this was a good time. Thank you. there's oh,
2: hey. something you tell. Open help 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 help, 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 yourself. there's something you tell. Help, 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 help help yourself. Pip, pip, horrific are the words we sing. Pip, pip, horrific is our thing. There's something in town when you don't hear Help, 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 help.